This is Joe Verisco of JRV Majesty Productions, and today we are interviewing Nat. So if we could just start off by, say, uh, by telling us uh, your preferred name and gender pronoun and uh, astrological sign. My name is Nat. Um, I prefer she pronouns now, and um, I'm a Sagittarius. Recently, um, you, like just this last weekend, you just graduated from SAIC, the School of the Art Institutes in Chicago. Um, and uh, your degree is in fashion design, right? Mm -hmm. It's a Bachelor of Fine Arts. Awesome. Um, in fashion design, yeah. Awesome. So now that you have graduated, what what are you planning on doing next? Well, I think I don't want to leave Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, all my four years here, I've really fallen in love with the city. I've become so much a part of the community here that mm -hmm. I don't want to leave right away at all. Yeah. A lot of art students and designers like leave right away and they go to New York or L.A. Right, right. Um, but I don't want to do that and I don't have to. Um, I sort of am, I can totally be sustained by my own business right now. Oh, awesome. Which is really amazing. Yeah, <laughs> that is yeah. so great. Uh, yeah, like the past year I've really um, put a lot of effort into building, promoting, and making a lot of work um, that I sell on Etsy. Mm -hmm. So uh, all summer I'm going to be making that work. I'm also going to be TAing for some oh, fashion cool. classes for younger kids. It's early college program. So um, it's kids between uh, 15 and 18, mm -hmm. which I'm really excited about. So I'm going to do that all summer, and I think hopefully through the fall um, the same, and uh, hopefully in the spring too. I'd love to spend just one more year here at least. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's really great because I feel like in Chicago, one of the things that always happens is that we have we do have this really kind of like intense um, and beautiful queer community, but... Uh, yeah, people, a lot of people graduate or they start their uh, enterprising or whatever and then, you know, New York or L.A. Um, gets our exports and um, I'd love to see what can happen in Chicago if people stick around a little bit longer. So... News to be for young, queer, and trans people. Mm -hmm. um, and we do a lot of that and we keep everyone safe and we try to really hear them out, but we are also interested in moving forward. Mm -hmm. We're interested in... Um, a lot of people are interested in like just becoming more of a community and I think that I'm very privileged in that I um, have a community at SEIC and then I have like this larger queer community of everyone um, in Chicago but a lot of people don't have that second component and so they're looking mm -hmm. for more queer friends so that they can like mobilize and they can like be with people like them. I think the club really wanted to make more. They wanted to make zines, publications. Mm -hmm. We worked on a lot of stuff um that isn't published yet but it's up and coming oh cool yeah it's i think they want more of a collective they want mm -hmm. to feel like this like mobilized force and to like go in this group around the city and to do things together and experience life mm -hmm. with people like them what do you think is one of the biggest challenges to um for uh for some of these youth to achieve like that secondary component of community um, do you think that's like in direct relationship to their age and kind of like the limitation of being able to access certain spaces? I think so. You know, it, it's sort of frustrating because a lot of the really great queer spaces and safe spaces are within the party scene. Mm -hmm. And so most people who come to the group are under 21. Um, some of them are even under 18. And I've realized that a lot of people who come to the student group at SAIC are new to mm -hmm. the city. So they don't really know queer people in general, and then um, they're not old enough to really go to the venues. Mm -hmm. And so we've really tried to 
sort of seek out through like the help of other queers like yourself, mm-hmm. um, like under twenty one spaces yeah. where all these people can go. Yeah, have you found any spaces in particular so far that have been like really really great, or has there been anything that's happened that's been like you know a, a good way to kind of engage um, not necessarily in a party scene but give another outlet for them to engage with community which I think is really important yeah I think that I haven't really gone to a lot of their under 21 events just because I was very busy this year but yeah. um, I think that what a lot of people ended up doing was sort of um, working within like the zine and comic scene okay um, and going to readings I think that there's been a lot of that, um, and like drawing parties, mm-hmm. I think, you know, sort of like getting together and making work. Um, and because I think these younger queers aren't so concerned with like going out in the disco lights as we are, you know, right. night, because they don't really know yet that <laughs> yeah. that's like what's happening. So, um, and I think it's really, yeah, great that they're all sort of like gravitating towards, um, events within like self-publishing. So there was this incident uh, that happened recently in which you uh, were at, invited by your school um, to, uh, to, to, to do a, a gig on Fox News in the morning um, and to kind of like talk about uh, or present some of your work as a designer. Um, so maybe if you could just kind of like tell us a little bit about what that experience was like or... Um, and, and, uh, and how it went down. Yeah. Um, well, I am very, I'm, I, what am I trying to say? My department very much favors me Mm -hmm. this year, at least this year they did, which was super validating. And the head of my department, she would always choose me to do all the promotional things, to meet all the people, you know, she really sort of loved the work that I did and thought I was, you know, sweet and good at speaking. And, um, yeah, so she always sort of chose me for things. And so I would laugh about it, but she, um, she chose me to do this Fox News spot. And, um, it was this promotional gig about our fashion show. So, um, so someone came up to me, you know, in the studio and said, Hey, I'm from the media. We're going to do this news thing. And then they told me later, um, after he had talked to me that, Oh, it's Fox News. And I was like, wait a second. And I, and I got sort of weird, and I, I wasn't sure that I wanted to do it. And um, the other people in my department sort of, I think that they were a bit annoyed at me. Like, really? You could be on TV, and it's your politics, really? Like, why do you care? Mm-hmm. But these things really matter to me. I don't want to, like, endorse a station or these, like, politics I just that I so much work against. And so I told my teacher I don't want to do it. And she very much wanted me to. And she said, you know, let's use this as a platform. Let's sort of like stick it to the man. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, like you can bring like a model of color and like bring the most like outrageous outfit you have and be queer as hell. You know, you can go on the air and and say all those words that you need to say. And it'll be like a statement. It'll be like a queer presence, you know. And I said, okay, you know, like if that is what it's going to be like, then I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so my model Dom came with me, who's really great Chicago model, and, um, we went, and there were two other students who went, and, um, with me, and their work is very beautiful, um, but very, um, more subtle than mine, obviously, and, um, they're very talented, but anyway, so we get to the station, and, um, they say, oh, actually, um, you're not going to be speaking at all, 
we're just going to have you walk up on stage, but we have all the notes of everything we have to say about your collection. So this woman was going to talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. Um, I said, you know, I, I wrote this essay. Anka had us write an essay about our collection mm -hmm. and underline everything that was important. I did that. So I said, oh, did you get my words? And the woman said, um, kind of. And, and she then like sort of summarized my collection as saying, so it's about color and fun, right? And I was like, no, it's not. And she got really nervous because we were going on air in like five minutes. Mm -hmm. She was like, wait, what do you mean that's not what it's about? You know, it was something very simplified like that. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I very quickly sort of like gave her like these important phrases that she needed to say about queerness and about gender and about the street and about um, visibility and color and pattern and stuff. And she was she was overwhelmed and sort of confused and I just kept telling her, you know, these phrases to say up until the last minute. Um, and so I, I went on Fox News and we, it, the segment was only like two or three minutes. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I wasn't happy with it, but I wasn't terribly upset. She sort of oversimplified. I mean, she, she talked about gender and she said before she went on air, I can't say the word queer. This is a morning broadcast. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? You know? And so I, and she kept saying, oh, it's a menswear collection. And I said, no, it's unisex. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, menswear. And I said, no, it's unisex. You know, it said genderqueer and they didn't know what that meant. So I, <laughs> so I oversimplified and said unisex, you know, I don't know. Right. Um, but it, so it was sort of weird. Um, and as we were standing on stage, they cut to another story and it was this terribly racist story mm. where someone was talking about how racism didn't exist or something. Oh. And, and it was just like, and we're standing there, you know, and like Fox News and Dom, this, you know, very tall black guy and Dom and I are like, oh my God, this is so racist. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And everyone next to us is like, what, what's wrong? What? No, it's not. What? You know, like. It was just a very strange environment to be in. And I think that I think that I did make a presence there, but it I'm I mean I'm okay with it, mm -hmm. but it was not what I wanted it to be and I was upset with my teacher afterwards for saying that it would be one experience when it was indeed not. So, I don't know what do you think like as you move forward because that seems to be a really uh, your identity seems to be a really integral part of what your work is um how do you you know per perceive kind of like navigating those those boundaries like how what is the best way to deal with it yeah i mean i'm not sure it's i mean my most important practice to me right now is uh my uh collection of bondage gear and mm -hmm. they make it in like glittery colors clear vinyl sequins really silly beautiful, um, colorful materials. And, and so I'm making this sexy gear, you know, that to me is so queer. Um, so it sometimes it surprises me when like different magazines or different people want to buy it and use it out of its context. Mm -hmm. Um, for me, it's not so much a problem of them tokenizing my queerness, but rather trying to erase it. And I think that they see something that they like and they want to make it theirs. And I think that that happens a lot, always. 
with queer and gay culture mm -hmm. is that other people want to sort of ride on our backs and take what's cool and make it theirs. And to me, that's a problem. Um, with my work, I've had a few magazines borrow it, you know, to do editorial shoots and they'll put it on these femi, beautiful, thin, cis models, you know, mm -hmm. these women with heels on. And it's just ridiculous and me and my friends laugh about it. And you know, I, but that's not what it is. And in one way, I'm excited for that opportunity to work with these magazines and get my work out there. Mm -hmm. But in another way, like that's not what it was supposed to be. And so for me now, I'm learning that I really have to be vigilant in understanding how the work is going to be presented. Mm -hmm. Because if it's presented in a way that erases its context, then that is not okay. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that, you know, one should be grateful for any opportunity, but if I'm, I'm not going to like sell out and make my work erase, you know, all of its queerness and all of its energy and power so that it can be commodified. Like that's not okay with me. So, but that kind of leads into um, talking a little bit further about how you feel your own personal identity um, and the work um, and, and your identity within the context of your community influences your work in general. So how do you, um, yeah, how would you describe the influence of your identity and the, your community on your work? I was thinking about that and I think that whenever I was sort of introduced to this whole queer community a few years ago, I was a very different artist than I am mm -hmm. now and a very different person. Um, and I think that that even just through coming to the queer parties, which is how I sort of started meeting people, mm -hmm. um, became really important to me. And it showed me that, um, that our own queer looks were great and beautiful. And, and it helped me sort of think about, uh, I don't know, maybe like a different aesthetic other than this sort of mainstream normative uh, thing happening. But, um, but I think like parties like nuts and bolts and um, chances and but like more extravagant fun dress up parties with themes and stuff like became really fun for me because I was able to, I don't know, sort of navigate these looks and stuff. Um, I don't know. Well, I guess I think that the like. I'm not, I'm not sure how I want to like approach it, but I think that being a queer person who doesn't necessarily um, super identify with like binary gender mm -hmm. or with like um, standardized beauty um, or like this sort of normal, like standardized beautiful body, I, um, I've began to really try to empower, indulge, and glorify all bodies. And I'm doing that with my work that's extremely sexy and fun and celebratory. And, um, and I think that also my identity as a kinky person um, really finally, like, I gave myself permission to make the work that was about myself. Most of my work is about me and about who I am and about what I like and what I want. Um, and I think as a younger queer, I was afraid to express that because the people around me didn't 
embraced that. They thought it was strange and weird. And finally meeting this community who embraced that with me really gave me permission to let loose and to make all of this work that became so important to my practice. Yeah, so I think that that the bondage gear, even the first time that I made a set of glittery bondage gear, I, I showed it at a gallery show in Pilsen that we curated mm-hmm. with a bunch of young queer artists. And um, it was my first time showing anything like that. That was two years ago or three years ago now. Um, and I was so nervous, but it got such great responses that I realized that, you know, hey, this is me. This is exactly what I want. I'm going to make it. And I've been making it for years now. Um, and to great effect. Awesome. Yeah. But I think that like our process and our journey as queer artists working with identities that are so complicated and also not very embraced within other communities is like very difficult and scary, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm just so grateful to have so many people in my life now that really celebrate my work rather than make me feel weird and embarrassed about it because that's where I was years ago and I've so much departed from that that I'm hoping that like my practice and the things that I make like inspire younger people to like just let loose and make stuff that scares them because I mean why not yeah yeah um what would you say is there um can you identify maybe that a moment that happened for you um, um, cause as you were saying, like you kind of entered the, the queer party scene and stuff like that. And, and it was kind of, and you were a different person. Um, and the work that you were creating was really different. Is there maybe a moment or something that happened in kind of your artistic evolutionary process that you can single out that's like, okay, this occurred or this, um, was experienced and then, uh, and then things started to change. I think that... I don't know that it was necessarily a moment, but it was maybe a shift in personal ideologies. Okay. I think that when, I think a, a few people that I met, a lot of amazing queers, um, sort of helped me think about my sexual practices and my partners in a different way. I think that once I really started to have active dialogue with people mm-hmm. about Um, sex, sexuality, gender, and really became more comfortable with my own body and therefore became polyamorous and then became um, active with a lot of really amazing queers in these kind of non-traditional relationships. I think that that really enabled me to sort of evolve as an artist and to feel a different sort of queer power and energy and... um, partnership with a lot of people cool. yeah maybe one of the questions that I've been talking about um, and I'm curious about is uh, what barriers what obstacles what challenges do you see um, that are currently facing um, the queer community um, you know maybe in Chicago maybe on a national basis or whatever but yeah hmm. I mean I think that I benefit so much from the community and I'm in this position where I'm very privileged in it. Um, maybe something that I was thinking about earlier um, is all is the sort of restrictions for young people. Mm-hmm. 
like I said, I feel very fortunate that I am of age and I, you know, sort of came into this place, this community at an age where I could go out. Right now I'm 22. Um, and, you know, I where I could do that and be with everyone. But mm -hmm. I think that a lot of younger queers aren't even aware of the potential of everything, of, right. of all the like love and support and glorious, sexy moments that are so affirming. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that a challenge is to really reach out to people who don't necessarily already know and live with queer people. I think that a lot of people out there feel sort of alone and and don't know how to make other queer friends. And um, through my work with the student group at SAIC, I've countless times had people talk in there and say, you know, at this school I felt alone and I would always look for people and I was shy to talk to them. And But now I'm here and I finally have queerness around me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I think that people are inherently shy and they're kind of afraid to like approach people who seem very exciting and and cool and queer and I think that yeah I think that somehow like through small groups and through small actions um, and maybe larger ones too just reaching out to younger people and to people who are sort of isolated mm -hmm from queerness uh, is really important because because I think sometimes they don't know what they're missing. Right. Um, and there's so much I think that we can give to them. Totally. Yeah. Um, this just occurred to me. Uh, Janet Mock wrote recently for The Village Voice about Mickey Blanco. I don't know if you've read I that I did, article. yeah. An amazing article. Yeah. And uh, she had a lot of really... Uh, awesome things to say in there um, and and I was curious to see maybe your response to um, one uh, one top comments in particular which was kind of talking about um, kind of I guess that like the educational or academic privilege that we have and, and how you know and as queers that kind of still separating us from like um, those that live in our city uh, that are like more street-based individuals um, uh, whose obstacles, who maybe don't have access to those resources or who um, don't have those privileges. And uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on like, how do we stay connected to, you know, how do we not let that, I guess, that privilege of academia or whatever isolate us from some of the um, everyday real life situations of uh, queer community? Yeah, I think I read that article and I responded to it very you know intensely i think that yeah as someone who is in academia and who um i take so many classes about queerness i write so many papers about queer mm -hmm. theory and sometimes it's it's frustrating because you get with a bunch of you know white queers in art school who like to um use a lot of academic words they like to to sort of get themselves off with all the words they know and all the things, all the theories and, you know, all their opinions about about everything. And, and then the way that they also are into social justice and how they, um, and it's really amazing and I really value these very smart people. They're great. But the way, I've, I've also been in like these really weird situations within art school um, where like smart, white, privileged queers 
will even try and talk down to people of queers of color and tell them how it is mm -hmm. through their academic language. And it's weird. And I, I am not comfortable with that. And I think that it's very important to check ourselves and to realize that, yeah, we can theorize all we want, but that's not going to put a roof over someone's head. That's not going to give someone a meal. And in some ways, how is that really important? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great to like mobilize thought. And then I think that that mobilizes humans. But I think that there is this very important like time where we need to realize that our, you know, pretentious discussions here in this, you know, expensive school aren't really doing anything for people out on the streets. I don't know too much about like how to actually bridge that gap, but I've been thinking a lot about it. And I think that, yeah, some way to sort of avoid getting stuck in our own heads mm -hmm. is to just, yeah, get out on the street and be with people and make actions that actually impact people, that raise money for people, that give them things, be it, you know, just inspiration and power and excitement and happiness or actual resources. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure, but I've been thinking a lot about that. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Yeah, and thank you. We'll have to keep paying attention. Yes. <laughs> All right. This is Joe Verisco, JRV Majesty Productions, and we'll catch you next time.